What's hooking everybody? It's Wednesday, September 2nd. Children everywhere are in tears as the longest summer vacation of all time is coming to a close and this is the Poor Couples Food Guide Deep Dish Podcast where we do a deep dive on all your favorite foods. I'm your host, Poor Couples Food Guide Eric, aka The Goose, aka Phoenix. And with me as always is my lovely co-host, Poor Couples Food Guide Meg, aka Le Skunk, aka Endora. Hello. And together we are actually on camera. Holy shit. That's right, we're doing some low-quality video to accompany these crappy podcasts, if they're going to be finding a home on YouTube in the future. Anyway, we hope you're all hungry for some tasty knowledge facts, because I scream, you scream, we all scream for ice cream. Sandwiches. Because that'll be your main course today. Okay, let's get started with this week's appetizers. So this is what we look like in case anyone didn't know. Yeah. Hello. I don't know. People might have seen us on like Instagram, maybe, or we link to our personal accounts. So we might be in there. I don't know. And there's also some pictures of us floating around uh, when we were in like the the Garden Vive, like garlic festival in the past. Yeah, we're in the header, but that's when you had black hair. Yeah, that was when we had not cool, lame black hair. Now I have cool, fiery red hair. Um, Not an actual redhead. Sorry, guys. Anyway, uh, the, this week's appetizer, we were going to do the fruit party report because we had we had an exotic fruit party last weekend. Um, an exotic fruit party is uh, it's not as scandalous and weird as it may sound. It's literally what it sounds. It's an exotic fruit party. Like we go out like us and our friends. We go to the store, go to like different like markets. We buy, like, weird fruits that we don't usually buy. So, like, most people probably think of, like, you know, fruits you normally eat, apples, bananas, oranges. We go out, we go to supermarkets, ethnic markets, and we try to find, like, the weirdest, wackiest fruits that we can find. So, we've had a few of these over the years. And yeah, this is our third one, I think. Yeah, third annual, I believe. Yeah. They're a lot of fun. They, um, you know, sometimes you actually get fruit that you, like, genuinely enjoy. Yeah. Like, uh... Last year, we tried kumquats. Oh, they're so good, though. <laughs> we tried kumquats for the first time, and they were really good. Cause, uh, they're such you... a weird fruit. They don't make sense, but they're delicious. Yeah, if you've never had a kumquat or you don't even know what a kumquat is, uh, it's not as filthy as it <laughs> sounds. It's it's just, it's like a little, it looks like a grape, but yeah. it's an orange. It's yeah. in the citrus family. They look like orange grapes with orange skin, like orange the fruit. Yeah, orange peel. And they're weird because the flesh is super duper tart on the inside, but the skin is sweet. Yeah, the skin's sweet. Usually it's the opposite. Yeah, it's reverse. Would, it's yeah. a reverse orange. It is. It's a, it's a miniature reverse orange and they take they're nature's starburst. Like they're or gushers. Like what just they're they're like a candy. I'm not even fucking around. They like they just like they're sweet and then they're sour, but they're not sour patch kids. They're they're kumquats. Uh, this year we had we had a couple of decent ones. We we bought a uh, we, we well us and our cousins bought a couple of cactus pears and those weren't particularly great because the they, seeds they tasted good but the seeds were no good. Yeah, the seeds. Yeah, they, they were made like, me panic because like you couldn't chew them because they were too hard. They were impossible to yeah, bite. Yeah, you through. had to just like swallow them whole, but they were kind of big for just like swallowing whole without thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, to contrast to that, we also bought a yellow dragon fruit. We've oh, had really red dragon fruit in the past, and the red dragon fruit like tasted like water mostly, but like it was fine. It was inoffensive. Yellow dragon fruit. Though, I don't know if this one was just riper or yellow dragon fruits are that much better. But uh, yellow dragon fruit, it was like, 
it had a lot of seeds on the inside. The flesh is white inside. It's almost like kiwi in a way. It looks like cookies and cream, but yeah, it tasted like a kiwi. And the seeds, there's a lot of seeds, but you bite right through them. They're like brittle and crunchy. They're like a, they're a nice little, I don't know, it was, it was a nice little combo. I really liked the, the dragon fruit. The passion fruit was really good too. Yeah, the passion fruit was the passion fruit is weird because you actually you cut them open and there's like a goo inside, like a it looks like mucus. It's yeah. actually really disgusting. It's just like a like lime green, fucking mutant green goop. It looks like something you get out of a quarter machine in the yeah. '90s. But you scoop it out and you eat that goo, and it just it tastes like a Capri Sun Pacific Cooler. Yeah, it's really good. So good. You know what was not good though. The was lemon. sweet lemons yeah. which are bullshit they weren't sweet they weren't lemons they were nothing they were a nothing yeah. fruit they just tasted like clean like because they didn't even have a flavor they mostly said lemon scent so it was like eating a lemon cleaner or something yeah honestly like the premise i read for them was that they are lemons that are bred with less citric acid so they're not as sour as regular lemons so they're supposed to taste kind of like you know just lemony flavor but not with the bitterness and without like the the mouth destroying tartness and um yeah they just they didn't have they like they need that tartness so i don't know they need to breathe them with more sugar, not just less citric acid, I think. Yeah, like, I, I think if there's a way to get rid of, like, the bitterness but keep the sour, like, that would be, like, that yeah. would be perfect. So we had a few others, like lychees and other stuff. But, you know, overall, I would say that the the passion fruit and the, the dragon fruit were, like, those are the those are the top yeah. tier ones. So, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll probably do one next year and, you know, with... You know, maybe this should inspire our listeners. Go out, buy some wacky fruits. Sometimes they're expensive. Sometimes they're not, though. Like uh, a couple. Yeah, I feel of... like this is like our lowest budget fruit party so far. Yeah, for like a bunch of wacky fruit that fed like eight people for dessert, basically. It was like thirty bucks tops. Yeah. And then I don't know. Sometimes we ask people to put in for it, but like this year, I didn't even bother because, like I said, the fruit. So because some years we buy durians, and if you've never had a durian before, durians are the size of a soccer ball, and they're covered in spikes. And when you cut them open, they smell like a garbage dump. Yeah. Not really selling it. No. <laughs> they're the weirdest friggin' fruit on the planet. But they they're weird, especially because when you cut them open, yes, they stink. But then like the flesh, the fruit itself doesn't taste like the smell. It kind of tastes like a quiche. Yeah. So weird. But like, so those, those are really freaking expensive. They're like $12 a pound or something. So like 90% of the the budget for those parties in the past usually ends up going to the durian because the durian is like $40 or whatever. So no durians this year, maybe next year. Um, But yeah, that, that'll, uh, that was, that was our review of fruit party, I guess. Yeah. B plus needs more, uh, more kumquats. Yeah. I feel like part of it was usually we have the fruit party earlier in the summer, like june-ish i feel like mm-hmm. may or june yeah and this year it was delayed obviously because couldn't hang out with people until yeah recently so i feel like there weren't as many zany fruits in season because he's because like even just shopping a few weeks ago we, we would see stuff and be like oh we should get that for fruit party and then we went to buy yeah, stuff and they were and gone. gone there are a couple of fruits that i saw a few weeks ago I was yeah like, yes 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 but then then they, they weren't there this uh, this past week, and I was just like, shit, 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 shit. Yeah. I guess oh, more of the uh, story is research your, uh, your produce seasons before planning a party based around produce. Yeah, yeah. Or if you see something you really want, buy it. Don't wait. Buy it. <laughs> Don't hesitate. General 2020 advice <laughs> for a fruit for thought. 
All right, so now that we're done talking to appetizers and fruits, without further ado, I present to you today's main course. So then, iced cream sandwiches are a frozen dessert treat that features a slab or a block of ice cream served in between two biscuits, cookies, crackers, wafers, or cakes. There's dozens and dozens of different variations, ranging from the classic American version that is two thin, soft chocolate biscuits, to red bean-flavored Pia ice cream in Singapore, to the ever-popular Chipwich brand, which uses chocolate chip cookies, and even the German Furstpokler Schnitte, which features Neapolitan ice cream sandwiched between two waffle-style waffle, uh, wafers. Uh, to any German listeners, I apologize if I butchered that. Don't speak German. Speak a little bit of Japanese. Speak a little bit of Spanish, shit ton of English, no German. Uh, the list goes on and on and on because really all it comes down to is sandwiches are awesome. Ice cream is awesome. So, you know, mathematically speaking, an ice cream sandwich is like awesome squared. Or actually, I guess in mathematical terms, the sandwich is divided by ice cream. So technically, I guess it'd be like divided by awesome, which would mean it's equal to one. But hey, everybody wants to be number one, right? True, but one is also the loneliest number that you'll ever do. Well, either way, unlike last week's topic, s'mores, which tragically were not an international treat, ice cream sandwiches are most definitely loved around the entire world. Generally speaking, it seems like vanilla ice cream is the most popular variety. However, as mentioned, sometimes you see Neapolitan ice cream, aka vanilla, chocolate, and strawberry as an option too. Depending on the location, or even brand, such as with Carvel Flying Saucers, you may see chocolate ice cream, mint ice cream, and others. One interesting point that, uh, you know, that you see frequently is despite them being held between, like, crackers and biscuits, like, most ice cream sandwiches are designed so the ice cream, like, slowly seeps into the biscuit portions, which it actually helps to moisten up and makes it easier to eat. Honestly... Thank God for this, because the way we have it now, you can just sort of like lightly sink your teeth into the cookie and, you know, you just kind of like mouth your way through the rest of the sandwich. You know, it's nice and soft and chewy. If those things stayed crunchy after freezing and like you just need to fully commit with like a full bite, like, like, I don't think anybody would like ice cream sandwiches since biting your teeth straight into cold ass ice cream sits firmly on the pain scale somewhere between, oh, getting punched in the asshole and having a nice juicy paper cut yeah it's not my favorite my teeth are really sensitive to cold so i don't think i'd even be able to eat ice cream sandwiches if they if they were hard like that and that'd be so tragic yeah actually for that matter uh even if you're not looking at from like a pain olympic standpoint hell it would just be difficult to eat like uh this brings me back to my childhood i remember the disappointment i felt when i was a kid I would try to construct my own ice cream sandwiches from cookies and ice cream that we had at home. But uh, before you could even make it through the cookie, like the ice cream just slid out the back because I usually use like Chips Ahoy and those things are like kind of crunchy. So after the ice cream got squeezed out, I would load it back into the cookies. I would try again to no avail. And then after like four or five repetitions of this, like half the ice cream just ended up on the plate melted and I'd be left with some thin ass sandwiches with very little ice cream and some slightly wet but not mushy cookies. Man, I probably wasted so much ice cream doing that. <laughs> Kids are dumb. I was dumb. Come to think of it, actually, I remember I tried doing this exact thing a couple years ago back in my parents' house. But as an experienced adult with the superpower of wisdom under my belt, 
Uh, I was only attempting it be, uh, because, like, my family had made these really chewy soft pumpkin spice cookies that night. So, thinking back to my childhood, I had, like, the gerbil wheels and my brain spinning real, real fast. And then it dawned on me. It actually worked out really great. Uh, we had these, like, they were chewy, soft, so you were able to go through them like an ice cream sandwich. No tooth torture, no wasted ice cream, just some tasty fall-flavored ice cream sandwiches. Take that past me, you dummy dumb face. Most of the time, you see ice cream sandwiches sold pre-packaged in the freezer section of grocery stores, but you can also find them pre-made at ice cream parlors, and hell, some ice cream shops will even make them fresh on the spot. Yeah, another popular way to score an ice cream sandwich is, well, by flagging down your favorite ice cream truck. Honestly, I don't think I've ever even, like, seen an ice cream truck that doesn't sell chip witches. Well, aside from, like, the, you know, Mr. Softies and other ones that, like, exclusively serve soft serve ice cream. I don't know, it seems like a rule or something that there's just this divide between ice cream types or ice cream truck types. Yeah, one of my favorite stories you've told me from work is the time you got an ice cream cone while at work, but you couldn't finish it before having to go talk to the customers. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) like, um... For anyone who doesn't know, I work in pest control, and I was doing repair work for termite damage at an H&R block in Selden, New York. After I finished, I had to, like, wait around for the supervisor at that place, and, I don't know, I just got bored, and I was waiting around, so I I got an ice cream cone. There was Mr. Softy driving through the parking lot, and, uh, yeah, but then their supervisor came back, and I had to give him an explanation about like termite guarantees and breaking down what their warranty covers and pricing and all this bullshit while I'm holding an ice cream cone the whole time. Like, yeah, so the, uh, the, 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 the termite damage was fairly extensive. So we had to do a lot of repair in the bathroom, extending into the office as well. And, uh, you know, your warranty is going to cover you for about a year. And then after that, you have the option for, you know, <laughs> You know, since I'm from fucking New York, I had the ice cream cone, and then, you know, I had to gesture it, because New Yorkers talk with their hands. Oh, and, uh, you know, like, how the hell could you break down fine print in a warranty without using your hands? Come on. I wish we had more ice cream trucks around here. Yeah, there needs to be more food trucks in general, but, like, not, like, not food truck food trucks. Like, not the kind you see at, like, festivals that are just, like, hawking a single taco for, like, $9.50 apiece. There needs to just be, like grown-up food trucks like grown-up versions of ice cream trucks they just like cruise around blasting foo fighters and like selling hamburgers and slices of pizza for like three bucks each oh man that'd be awesome who do we talk to to make that happen listeners start writing to your senators or legislators or ice cream union or whoever the hell it takes to get some online petitions up i don't care we need this in the world you know what? Just, just just go write Dave Grohl. Everybody spam him on social media about it. He seems like a reasonable guy. And uh, I don't know. If that doesn't work, well, hell, we'll just move on to Andrew WK after that. Moving back to ice cream sandwiches, there's uh, there's also varieties you could find that like dip the sides in sprinkles and chocolate chips. Sometimes they feature toppings inside of the sandwich, like caramel sauce or hot fudge, or even sometimes like chopped up candies. Bizarrely enough, there's even, like, varieties that take it a little bit too uh, too literal, and they just, like, slap ice cream in between two slices of regular bread. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that one. It just seems so incorrect. I don't know. Also, bizarrely, according to Mobile Cuisine, a food food truck trade publication, the Eastern Seaboard consumes almost 50% of all ice cream sandwiches in the country. So, like, half of the ice cream sandwiches eaten in America are eaten in, like, New York, New England, New Jersey, Maryland, Virginia, Florida, and the Carolinas. 
And then the other half of all ice cream sandwiches is just the rest of the country. What the fuck is up with that? Everybody likes ice cream. Come on, Midwest. Get your shit together. Start putting your ice cream between cookies, for fuck's sakes. Also, West Coast, same thing. Get your shit together and start putting your ice cream in... Well, actually, West Coast, get your shit together and stop burning to the ground on an annual basis. Then, then when you figure that out, then start putting your ice cream into sandwich form. Hell, like, it's so freaking hot over there. Like, everything's on fire. You think they want to eat something cold once in a while. Like, especially, you know, something in sandwich form. Freaking dopes. Hood, one of the larger manufacturers of ice cream sandwiches in America, cites that during the summer months, they sell over 9,000 per week, and over the entire peak season, over 100,000. And that's just as one company selling prepackaged ones in the freezer section. That's not counting other brands or freshly made ones. Jeez, that's a lot of ice cream sandwiches. Well, no matter how you want to slice it, ice cream sandwiches are super versatile and they're super beloved. So now that we know exactly what they are, let's dig into the origins. So to look at the history of ice cream sandwiches, we should probably take a look at ice cream's early incarnations first. We're not going to go too far back, though, since, well, that's a whole can of worms I don't want to open. Especially because canned worm ice cream would be absolutely freaking disgusting. Uh, of course, fresh, locally sourced worms is the way to go. None of that canned shit. It's not good for you. <laughs> ice cream does have a pretty long and sordid history, so let's pinpoint the specific time when our modern equivalent of ice cream first started being sold to the general public. That would be, um, let's see. It looks like the mid-1800s, thanks in no part to the Industrial Revolution. Man, I feel like every topic we go over eventually leads to us just going like, the Industrial Revolution made the better factories happen and everybody made new foods and stuff because of the cool new machines. I mean, I guess it's to be expected. A lot of the more modern variations of food that we have were only really able to be made on a commercial scale for everyday folks when assembly lines and stuff were created. Yeah, I mean, on one hand, the Industrial Revolution permanently changed the face of the Earth into a new age of pollution and soulless efficiency. But on the other hand, because of it, everyone got access to, like, chocolate bars and automobiles and hamburgers. Biggest trade-off of all time? Hmm? Uh, that, that wasn't a joke either. Like, I know that I'm sounding like I'm joking, but, like, seriously, like, that's, that's a real fucking moral quandary for the ages. Yeah. Anyway, ice cream had been around a few centuries before the Industrial Revolution, but it was mostly a rich person food. After we had all this crazy new crap like mechanical refrigerators and food insulation and factory chains, ice cream became much more realistic of a food for the average Joe to get a hold of. Yeah, according to the International Dairy Foods Association, the ice cream industry really took off in the 1850s. Ice cream parlors became regular fixtures in many big cities, and refrigeration trucks made it possible to ship ice cream all over the place. Ice cream was here to stay, baby. Reading back on all these stories about, like, the early days of ice cream, it, it really makes you appreciate, well, food in general. And it also helps you realize how fucking spoiled everyone is, too. <laughs> like, like, about a century and a half ago, ice cream was, like, legitimately, like, a, a rarity. It was a real treat in the most literal sense of the word. Like... People would look forward to the next time they got access to it because, like, they didn't always know when the next time would be. And, like, oh, if you were lucky, oh, they might even have different flavors instead of just vanilla. I remember I would, like, read, like, novels and, like, books and stuff, like Brighton Beach memoirs, and they, like, took place around the turn of the century, like, early 1900s. And the way they talked about ice cream was, like, the same way that people talk about seeing their favorite band now. Like, yo, bro, you hear ice cream is gonna be in Brooklyn again? Whoa, no way, bro, sweet. I haven't seen it since last October. When's it gonna be around? 
September 5th, bro. Labor Day weekend. Get some. Fuck yeah. Better get in line now if we want to get some, bro. Today, though, like, eating plain-ass vanilla ice cream and chocolate ice cream, it's almost, like, frowned upon. Like, like just walk through the ice cream section and look at how many flavors are just, like, double dark chocolate mochaccino chunk of dunk orgasm supreme as opposed to just, like, chocolate. <laughs> It's a little overwhelming sometimes, honestly. And I, I, I almost wish we lived in a society where there was just like five flavors tops just because of like the simplicity of it. Although, then again, I do really like like special flavors like Turkey Hill has party cake and uh, turkey. They, they have another one like brown bourbon vanilla or something they just released. So like, mmm. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't want to sound like we're some, like, snooty idiots, like, up on some sort of, like, giant high horse. Like, we buy all these over-the-top ice cream flavors all the time, too. I mean, they taste good. Why wouldn't we? But I guess it's just, like, good once in a while to stop and take a minute to appreciate the, the great big food world that we have now. Although, real talk, I do gotta say, the pissing contest that ice cream brands have had over the last 10 years or so with just, like increasingly crazy flavors and seeing how many fucking candy bars they can cram into a half gallon of ice cream it's it's getting a little silly like it's to the point that like a lot of brands they can't even legally define their shit as ice cream anymore because they keep removing milk fat to like cut down on the calories in the like ice cream itself just to, like accommodate having all these flavors filled with like 17 different mix-ins and chocolate fudge and caramel sauce ripples and cookies and potato chips and like $20 bills dude you think ice cream has jumped the shark? Maybe. I, I think it actually might have. Like, that might be a conversation worth exploring in an off-topic podcast someday. Anyway, going back to, like, the days of just, well, chocolate and vanilla, with, uh, with this new availability from the Industrial Revolution, the next few decades led to a lot of new innovations for ice cream since a lot more people had access to it. Soda parlors started serving them up, and that eventually led to the rise of, like, ice cream floats and ice cream sodas and sundaes and stuff. Similarly, dairy fans also started to get into ice cream sundaes by the end of the 19th century as well. Just repeated that. Don't know why I said it twice. <laughs> and one of those new ideas just so happened to be what was basically a prototype for the very first ice cream sandwich. And we say prototype because, well, it's the first time we saw ice cream sandwiches cited in a historical context. But at the same time, it wasn't really an ice cream sandwich well, depending on how you want to define it, so whatever. Let's get nitty and let's get gritty, because it's now it's time to take a look at the history and development of today's topic. So, much like pizzerias and cursing at people while driving, ice cream sandwiches seem to have been right here in uh, New York. Born, seem to have been born right here in New York. So, in early 1899, we saw the earliest version of ice cream sandwiches, and they were, uh, well, kind of stupid, actually. <laughs> they were basically just a rectangular slab of ice cream cut into a block and served between two sheets of paper. Mmm, nothing like a good old helping of paper in your next sandwich. Gotta love that indigestible fiber. Yeah, these, uh, these dumb things were apparently called hokey pokies, according to an article from an 1899 publication, uh... New York Mail and Express, they, they also cost just a penny to buy them from street vendors in uh, the Bowery section in New York City. Hmm, so let's see, pros, you could literally buy a hundred of them with a dollar bill, 
they're still made of fucking ice cream at the end of the day. But cons, it's served between fucking paper and it's not really a sandwich. Shit. Jury's out on this one. Uh, I'm going to need some more time to think about it. Speak for yourself. 100 ice creams for a dollar is totally worth it. I don't care if it's not technically an ice cream sandwich. I want to live in a world where I can get 100 ice creams for $1. That, that, is, a, that is a lot of ice cream. Uh, fortunately, this brief stint as a non-sandwich sandwich didn't really last forever since uh, a few years later, someone came up with the genius idea to construct their ice cream sandwich from, you know, food, not food and wrappers. By 1905, there are some sources that show off photos of ice cream sandwiches being eaten in Jersey Shore. Like, the place Jersey Shore. Not the trashy reality show Jersey Shore, which is basically the Italian-American equivalent of blackface. <laughs> Could you just imagine, though, like, old-timey Jersey Shore? Like, that scamp Snooki is walking the turf yet again, wearing a skirt that lies above the knees, drawing gleans from all of our boys along the boardwalk. Ah, what a lock. And if that weren't enough, everybody's favorite cad, Michael, the situation, has yet another scoot with the bobbies following a most spirited round of fisticuffs with dips and drips on the beach. Certainly doesn't help he's in a heap of hot water for falutin' some good old jail arithmetic once again. We wish him well during his latest stint in the Who's Gow. Will he come out straight as a rail this time or just keep pinching the peppers? Tune in next week to our story to radio play on the Jersey Shore. Hey, the situation is technically part of our family. Be nice. <laughs> I am not joking, people. My like fourth cousin married the situation the wedding invitation was insane they spent like nine dollars per invitation just mailing them sadly we weren't invited and my parents declined before we could claim their spot yeah even if we went like as much of a shit show as it probably was like they didn't allow cameras or anything no, like, they legit I, like confiscated people's cell phones yeah and from cameras. What we heard they patted you down at the doors and shit like it was a fucking meeting with the president <laughs> Uh, but still, like, I always wonder what could have been. Yeah. Do you think, like, being tangentially related to someone from Jersey Shore, like, ups our Guido Street cred or negates it? It's probably got up it, right? Probably. Because at the very least, if someone gets in your face, you'd be like, oh, hey, oh, easy. My cousin is Mike, the situation. <laughs> That's and true. Be like, oh, 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 oh. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um... Back to ice cream sandwiches. Following these early accounts of uh, these hokey pokies and like early ice cream sandwiches, we had a fellow who's named Russell H. Proper who invented and patented the world's first ice cream sandwich machine in 1921. So, all right, two decades in, we already have a machine that could automate them. Not bad. The patent design for it is it's uh, it's really confusing actually. I'm not sure how it was used to like crank out ice cream sandwiches, but um, I can't imagine it worked that well since I couldn't really find much else about this guy. Great name though, Russell H. Proper. A little stuffy for an ice cream inventor, but yeah, he's probably a pretty good guy. We've been finding a lot of really good names in our like research for these episodes. We have like. I guess just I don't know it's just I think everyone just had a really good name back then yeah. <laughs> like a hundred years ago one thing I do really love about this story though is like the actual patent description for it this is verbatim I didn't embellish this this is how it's written word for word be it known that I Russell H proper have invented a new and improved ice cream sandwich machine of which the following is a full clear and exact description this invention relates to ice cream apparatus or devices for delivering ice cream or similar frozen commodities from a container in the form of sandwiches or the like. 
It just so beautifully captures the speech mannerisms of, like, the early 1900s. Hell, like, I should have just read through that patent listing first when I was writing up that, like, bit about 1900s Jersey Shore just now. It would have made it a lot easier. The early forms of ice cream sandwiches were made with sponge cakes and not cookies or biscuits. That idea came later on from Jeremy Newberg of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yeah, Newberg was a vendor who sold ice cream at the old Pittsburgh Pirate Stadium Forbes Field. Uh, apparently, at some point in the 1940s, he started making like classic chocolate wafer ice cream sandwiches and sold them to baseball fans who were looking for a handy snack that had helped them cool off while taking in that great summertime ballet or, or whatever the hell pretentious people like to call baseball. So while we have already arrived at the classic favorite type of ice cream sandwiches, those chocolate wafers with vanilla ice cream, that doesn't mean we're done covering the history of these guys quite yet. As we mentioned in the overview, there's a shit ton of other major varieties that sprang up over the last 50 years or so, so ice cream sandwiches didn't stop evolving as time went on. Let's take a look at some of the bigger, more prominent brands out there. For starters, let's talk about the glorious Chipwitch. Chipwitches are a favorite among anyone who's ever been a child in their life, so, you know, everyone. They're a type of ice cream sandwich specifically made with two large chocolate chip cookies, vanilla ice cream in the middle, and chocolate chips like rolled all around the sides of the ice cream sandwich. I have a confession. I can't remember if I've ever actually had a Chipwitch. What? How? I don't know. Were you not a kid growing up? Maybe. Oh. How old are you? I don't know. Uh, I like I I my all my memories with chip witches were just getting them from the ice cream man. Like you got well, all right. You I always got the weird like characters with the gumball eyes yeah, and shit. I mean, like, did you guys even get ice cream men in your like uh, your neighborhood that much? Because yeah, we it, did. Uh, all right. Well, our marriage has been through worse, <laughs> and it will continue to get through it. Uh, anyway, uh, th 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 that aside, um, they're, they're probably one of the most, like, familiar brands of ice cream sandwiches made from, like, cookies, though, uh, they're not actually the first ones to be made with, well, cookies in the first place, so, um, yeah. Specifically, the earliest documented vendor who made a cookie-based ice cream sandwich was George Whitney, a hot dog vendor who made the rounds at a San Francisco amusement park called Playland at the Beach. What's with all these, like, hot dog vendors inventing ice cream sandwiches? I guess to, I don't know, boost sales when people don't want hot dogs and they're ready for dessert. At first, I was thinking, like, well, they already got the cart, but, like, weren't those carts designed to, like, keep shit hot? Since it's lit, it's in the name, it's hot dogs. Yeah. <laughs> like, how are they, uh, seems like a jump from, like, They're just fucking... in touch with the people. They know what the people want. Yeah, I guess so, like... Uh, it sounds complicated to have, like, one thing for, like, keeping hot dogs hot and then, like, a freezer thing for, like, ice cream, but uh, whatever. I'm not going to complain because, like, ice cream sandwiches are great, so I'm glad that they did invent them. Uh, that, and I'm glad they didn't find a way to combine hot dogs with ice cream sandwiches because, good lord. <laughs> Although that's probably something that exists right now based on last week's episode where we went over the fucking s'mores burger. True. Still angry about that. <laughs> anyway, in 1928, uh, this guy, George Whitney... He began constructing ice cream sandwiches using oatmeal cookies and vanilla ice cream. He then dipped the whole thing in chocolate, and then he froze it and sold them frozen. So it was a nice cold treat for anyone who wasn't really in the mood to wolf down some greasy hot dogs when it's already 97 degrees outside. Uh, it doesn't really seem like these took off a lot since it seems like they remained popular mostly in California. Uh, from what I researched, they weren't really sold anywhere west of the Rockies. It's very much like a West Coast thing. Which is weird because when we read before, yeah. said that like most ice cream sandwiches are eaten on the East Coast. So, eh. 
maybe they're just like pissy that they're uh th- those sandwiches they're called like it's it ice cream sandwiches um maybe they they're just mad that they didn't take off they're like fuck you we're just gonna eat ours and we're not gonna eat the rest of the ice cream sandwiches that are made in the country uh yeah but like i don't know they 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 are still made like i said they're called it's it ice cream there there is a company that still makes them but like i said i've never really heard of them so they can't be that popular yeah it's hard to know if these served as inspiration for Chipwitch, but the similarities are hard to ignore it could be a regional thing as well since we're about to cover chipwitches were invented in new york a couple decades later right so like you can buy chipwitches at grocery stores and like ice cream vendors and stuff and like i said i always figured most people's experience with them was from ice cream trucks so uh like you know not specifically like the soft serve ones like i said before not mr softy but just you know the ones that drove around they had just like they're just a giant freezer with wheels attached to it and they just sold like the pre-made frozen treats yeah, actually, it's kind of silly to think about. Like, a lot of these ice cream trucks don't really feature, like, ice cream bars anymore. A lot of them focus on ice pops and frozen candies and stuff. Like, mostly those hilarious licensed ice pops where it's, like, Sonic the Hedgehog, but his face is crooked <laughs> and his eyeballs are, like, melting down near his chin. Yeah, a lot of those are actually just kind of horrifying. Just like, kill me. <laughs> like, gotta go fast, gotta melt fast. Uh, yeah, like, I know there's a lot of, like, memes and stuff online with people, like, they'll share photos of all those, like, character, yeah. like, frozen pops, and what kinds of just, like, absurd bad conditions they find them in. Yeah, those are always fun. Anyway, that aside, these ice cream trucks do stock some treats made of actual ice cream, like chip witches, though originally they were sold mostly as a street food from vendors on the streets of New York City in those classic-looking little food carts with the wheels and the handle on one side from every pre-1970s photograph or mental imagery of the city. Yeah, man, it's kind of, like, shitty to think about that, but, like, all the, like, the street food in New York, it, it kind of sucks now. Like, it's all just, like, those big, dumb stalls. That they, like, it looks like someone just took, like, a, a bathroom and just, like, put it on the street and slapped a bunch of, like, low-quality JPEG posters or printed from, like, a 1997 dot matrix printer. Like... I don't know. I wish we had those like those little food carts. Like they were just like that you pushed around with like ice cream and hamburger and stuff. But, like now, ninety five percent of like all the food carts in the city, they're just like fucking roasted nuts, right? Like why is that? I've never actually seen anyone like who's actually like buying roasted nuts or like carrying a bag of roasted nuts or like craving and talking about roasted nuts. Like are like nuts are fine. Like they smell good when you like walk past them. But like why? Like I've never had like like the, the the like craving just be like i want to spend like six dollars on a bag of fucking nuts they do smell really good i've just never been inspired enough to actually like buy them yeah exactly like they're part of what new york city smells like you know like garbage and exhaust but like sweet honey roasted peanuts yeah. that part is great but um it's just weird they're on every fucking street and like i said i never see anyone buying them ever maybe they're for tourists probably maybe they're from like people like texas like well, now that we're done looking it up, all them that they're tall skyscrapers, let's take in some of the local cuisine here. Like, uh, ooh, roasted peanuts. Never seen that there down in Texas. <laughs> like, fucking, they just shell out. Like, it doesn't matter how much money it is. Yeah. They just want the full experience. Uh, yeah, like, I don't know. Besides the roasted nut carts, like, it's all just, like, halal, like, food trucks that are just selling, like, chicken and rice dishes and kebabs. And, like, those are pretty good, like, but, like, honestly, like, uh, I don't know. Like, they're, they're kind of expensive. If I'm going to, like, pay, like, $9, $10 for a plate of grilled meat, I at least want it to be, like, served to me while I'm, like, sitting at a table like a, like a spoiled asshole with, like, free water and shit with it. Anyway, 
The original chip witch was invented by Richie LaMotta oh. in 1978 in New York City. LaMotta was actually a lawyer, so we're not entirely sure what he was doing experimenting with ice cream sandwiches. But at the very least, you can say there was at least one time that lawyers contributed something positive to this world. <laughs> actually, it, it's kind of funny to think about. When I was like writing this up, I was like thinking to myself, like, well, all right, well, what about like Atticus Finch? And uh, then I realized that he's not a real person. <laughs> like, kind of speaks to your entire profession that probably like one of the only favorable representations of your like jobs like is a fictional character. <laughs> yeah, I feel like most other job fields, there's enough good people out there that you don't have to worry about. You can get... You can, uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Pardon me. <laughs> You're having an allergy meltdown? A little. All right. You're Sorry. allergic to talking about roasted nuts. Is that it? Yeah. All right. Let's try this again. I feel like most other job fields, there's enough good people out there you don't have to worry about. You can get recommendations from friends, families, and stuff. Like, it'd be really sad if most people could say the only positive experience they've ever had with a plumber was Super Mario. <laughs> Yeah, it seems like most people will, like, know a guy, and they'll have, like, a family plumber or, like, a family electrician or whatever. Like, nobody has, like, a family lawyer that they just refer around. Well, unless they're, like, the richest douchebags around or that, or they're just, you know, involved with the mafia. Yeah, I was gonna say, I'm pretty sure rich people have family lawyers. We don't have a- we don't have family lawyer money, though. <laughs> well, maybe some of your rich cousins, like, have family lawyer money, but they're not giving out family lawyer business cards at dinner. Actually, the situation might have a family lawyer now since he's in jail. <laughs> anyway, the low-hanging fruit that is lawyer jokes aside, Rich LaMotta introduced the original Chip Witch in uh, New York City in 1978. Supposedly, he trained up this, like, ice cream, like, army of, like, 60 dudes. Like, uh, most of them were students, according to our source, so I guess they were just like, I'll do anything for money. Uh, he just, like, he trained 60 dudes and just, like, unleashed them upon the city, like... Either that, like, these guys are, like, the pushiest motherfuckers on the planet, or, like, Chip Witches really are that good. Because legend goes that they sold something like 25,000 sandwiches on their very first day. So, let's see, like, carry the one, you divide by, like, a million, and... Holy shit, that, that, that works out to, like, 413 Chip Witches sold per vendor. So, holy shit, that's impressive. Good for him. Yeah. Ironically, despite having on and off success for a couple of decades, Chipwitch never really spun off into other brands. It remained the same formula for its entire lifespan, despite being around for almost 50 years. Good for them. Yeah, along with Chipwitch, we'd also be remiss to skip over one of the other bigger ice cream sandwiches brands out there, which is none other than the Carvel Flying Saucer. So, Flying Saucers are similar to the classic vanilla and chocolate biscuit ice cream sandwich that we all think of. But they have a few differences. Yeah, for, for starters, flying saucers are round instead of rectangular. Uh, they're similar like in shape to like chip, which is it's a round cookie sandwich. Secondly, the chocolate biscuit wafers that they use, they're a little bit thicker and a little bit chewier than like standard like biscuits we think of with ice cream sandwiches. Um, those are a little more cakey. Uh, I feel like flying saucers, they're like a little like uh, they have more give to them when you bite into them. And lastly, flying saucers feature soft serve frozen in the middle instead of just like regular ice cream. So it makes it a little bit lighter, a little bit creamier than regular ones. Carvel generally sells them in packs of like four to six. And they actually come in a variety of flavors such as chocolate, mint, and strawberry, in addition to regular old vanilla. Yeah, actually Carvel's history as a company and its like founder, Tom Carvel, like way, way more interesting than like I thought they were. Like 
And we're going to save that all for a future episode, but like long story short, in the 1930s, this guy Tom Carvel, Greek dude, he was born in Greece, uh, he moved here and he started one of America's first ice cream sand franchises, and he was responsible for the invention of soft serve ice cream. God, God bless this glorious Greek god of a man. Fucking tongue twister. <laughs> After a decade and a half of hawking ice cream to people from his ice cream shops, Carvel came up with the idea of the, for the flying saucers after ice cream sandwiches had been a fairly popular dessert for a few decades now. In 1951, Carvel released the very first flying saucer in vanilla. The name itself, which is pretty great, is attributed to the mid-century obsession and fascination with outer space in America. Yeah, at the time, people were really excited by the possibility of like space exploration and aliens and all that good paranormal shit. Kind of similar to how everyone was, like, really into dinosaurs in the mid-90s. Just, you know, instead of being based around, like, new scientific discoveries about animals that objectively existed, everyone was just, like, really amped up because some paranoid hillbilly saw a light flying through the sky. <laughs> to Carvel's credit, though, they saw that this shit was popular, and they latched onto it, so they used the whole space theme to, like, market flying saucers really, really effectively. Uh, the term flying saucer was already coined a few years prior to the ice cream version, uh, in relation to UFO sightings and in terms of products, the, the, the Frisbee, also known as the Flying Disc, uh, that began life as a product called the Flying Saucer. So Carvel wasn't necessarily the first ones to use the term for marketing, but hell, unlike Frisbees, the original Flying Saucer name stuck around and they're still called that today. Yeah, they even trademarked the slogan, Flying Saucers, they're out of this world. <laughs> they used outer space imagery in ads a lot too. There's even some old-timey comic books they made to market Carvel, and it shows a kid sitting in, well, a flying saucer, flying saucer. It seems like it'd be messy to sit in. That and incredibly cold. Yeah, also, for what it's worth, Carvel totally hopped on the Frisbee bandwagon, and they even made their own flying saucer spinning disc that said Carvel on them. Man, that guy Tom Carvel was an interesting dude. Like I said, we're going to cover him a lot more when we have the time. Uh, so anyway, overall, it seems like ice cream sandwiches, they, they hit it big for like a few decades after their inception. After that, they spent the next 50 or 60 years just kind of like quietly evolving and staying popular in the back burner. So yeah, good for them. Like, I feel like with some bad luck, they could have just like burned out and become like a, a fad food that just faded into obscurity after a few years. But hey, instead they stuck around and people are eating dozens and different varieties of them all around the world today. So with that, obviously the story doesn't quite stop there because now it's time to get modern and we're going to see what kind of neat stuff people have been doing with ice cream sandwiches in recent history. So I know it seems to be a running theme with a lot of our topics, but with ice cream sandwiches being invented only about a century ago, it's surprising to see them become so popular all over the world already. Actually, come to think of it, why the hell is that? Why does it seem like every fruit was invented just around 1900? Probably because it was a few decades after the Industrial Revolution. Yeah, I guess, like we said before, it's just all the, I don't know, all the, like, advancements with, like, food technology. But still, like, it's just starting to get really grating. Because I feel like every episode that we do, I have to write out the line, So even though it's only a century old, this food is super duper cool. Let's try our best to pick something either really ancient or really new next time. Anyway, as we said, ice cream sandwiches today come in a wide variety of flavors and variations, and they're popular all over the world. Before we discuss any international varieties, let's finish up talking about the fate of Chipwitch, which actually has a surprisingly dramatic and convoluted history in the past few decades. 
So, for starters, I didn't even really know this, but it turns out Chipwitch had, like, a shitty run for, like, two decades, and it actually disappeared for a while until, well, just recently. For starters, despite finding early success and being really popular, the company actually was close to going bankrupt in the mid-80s because the founders weren't managing it properly, and they were spreading themselves too thin with no real breakthrough that expanded them on a large scale. Man, fucking lawyers, can't you do anything right? It's an ice cream company. How hard could it possibly be? Luckily, the owner, Rich Lamata, found a way to restructure it and avoid bankruptcy for a couple years. Because by the early 90s, they were back in debt. Though this time, it was thanks to an accounting scandal by one of their subsidiaries, Pelt's Food, who was overstating how much inventory they had, and it led to Chipwich taking a $4.1 million loss in 1992. Yeah, I mean, I'm not an accountant or anything, but like, generally speaking, probably not a great idea to tell your parent company like, oh yeah, sure, we stocked up 2 million sandwiches, and then just turn around and be like, fuck, guys, we need to crank out 2 million sandwiches, like, ASAP. I really love to know, like, what happened with the scandal. Like, they're ice cream sandwiches, not crystal meth. Like, seriously. <laughs> I can't think of a good reason that you're an ice cream factory and you fall behind on making ice cream so badly that it produces a million-dollar deficit. And then you have to lie about it like some doofy, like, high school student who just got caught cheating on their algebra test. Like, it seems like it was just a matter of, like, the CEO of Peltz Foods, Robert Peltz, uh, just being kind of a douchebag or a scumbag. Uh, according to a representative from Chipwich at the time, we found this in an old-timey, like, news article, besides overstating their inventory, Peltz also had engaged in other improprieties in the management and operations of the Peltz Food Division. I know we mentioned before we've heard some, like, good names. Peltz, not a good name. <laughs> not a great Peltz. name. But anyway, it was a big deal to them. The guy resigned, the company closed, and the attorney general's office seized all the computer files, hard records, and equipment from Pelt's Foods to do an investigation on it. Supposedly, the guy had a few run-ins with the law, and we even saw some sources referring to him as one of the original food service gangsters. He eventually did get arrested and spent some time in prison, so I guess that's good. Holy shit. How did a story about ice cream sandwiches turn into a freaking scene from Breaking Bad? Like, I'm waiting for it to be an anecdote about, like, old Richie Lamato walking in and asking why they're short before just, like, offing some random employee executioner style, like, right in front of them. Like, next week, I expect you to bring me the correct number times three. But, but, sir, our machines can't process that many in a week. This is a business, and we make ice cream sandwiches. And if you cannot provide me with the necessary number, that makes you unnecessary to this company. Do you understand what it means to be unnecessary? I sincerely hope so, for your sake. Next week, times three. Whew. <laughs> anyway, uh, unfortunately for Shipwitch, this wasn't even the end of their, uh, their woes. They had a hard time recovering from that whole scandal, and money troubles just kind of persisted with them through the 90s. After that, they like uh, they got they got bought by like perhaps one of the most hilarious named corporations of all time, Cool Brands International. <laughs> cool Brands, like I'm just picturing like a fucking like '90s mascot like sea lion who's just like wearing sunglasses and a Hawaiian shirt and he's like skateboarding while also holding a surfboard too. Yo yo, what's up everybody? It's your boy Cool B here, and I'm here to get you some ice ice, baby, ice cream. Radical! I want so badly for them to, like, live up to that name, but let's be real. They're a big, dumb corporation, so it's probably more like, 
Greetings, fellow cool children. We represent Cool Brands International, and we are pleased to provide you with a multitude of cool products, which are quite literally cool, due to them being served at a relatively low temperature. Please take note of our shirt, which features neon lightning bolts. Uh, unfortunately, Cool Brands didn't last much longer after this, and ended up selling Chubwich to another company in 2007, before disappearing in 2010, so... Not cool, bruh. Not cool. <laughs> After this, Nestle en ended up the owners of Chipwich, which seems like a great parent company for the brand. It's a food company that has a reputation for selling chocolates and treats and cookies, so that should be a slam dunk. Oh, wait. Nestle discontinued it about a year later because they thought it was competing with their own Nestle's Toll House ice cream cookie sandwich. <laughs> That's so petty. Like, I can't believe what an absolute, like, stab-in-the-back dick move that is. Like... What freaking difference does it make? You own both fucking brands. If they both sell, the money ultimately makes it back to you. Like, it'd be like if your aunt passes away and they just, like, need someone to adopt her dog. So you tell everyone, yeah, yeah, you'll, we'll take care of it. But then, like, a year later, you're just like, like, you know, this dog is just, like, too similar to our dog. I guess we got to put it to sleep. <laughs> what bastards. But don't worry, Chipwitch fans, this story does have a happy ending, finally, because after disappearing for like 10 years almost, the trademark for Chipwitch was actually purchased once again by Cravemore Foods, who are based in Connecticut, and they started producing Chipwitch again in 2018. Then finally, in 2020, for the first time in its lifespan, the brand got a second flavor, birthday cake. Phew, that was starting to get really depressing for a little while. I never even knew they introduced a birthday cake, Chipwitch. We should go hunt it down and buy some. Yeah, I mean, I feel like after getting passed around like a cheap hooker ice cream, like it deserves some support at least. Cheap hooker ice cream sounds like the world's newest, worst ice cream flavor. <laughs> sounds like something stupid that Ben and Jerry's would come up with. Yeah, like, well, we're proud to announce our newest socially empowered, affordable ice cream flavor, cheap hooker. It's made up of frozen milk, and that's it. It's got swirls of cigarette-flavored icing and actual fishing hooks mixed right into it. For every pint sold, we'll donate 50% of the profits to local prostitution legalization packs near you. Nah, that would never happen. Ben and Jerry's would never sell something cheap and affordable. <laughs> Actually, unfortunately, it's update time. <laughs> Breaking we, news. We went out to buy some chipwitches this very day before recording this podcast, and because uh, after researching the brand and feeling bad for them, we kind of wanted to like find them and buy some. But it was it was six dollars for a pack of three sandwiches. So fuck off. That's too expensive. I spent this entire segment rooting for them to stick around, but, like, instantly, in the blink of an eye, they're just dead to me. I hope they fucking rot in the ground. Also, it should be noted, the Nestle's Toll House ones, like, weren't any better. They were, like, $10 for, what, like, yeah, for seven, seven Aldi has their own version of chip, which is where four for four dollars. Yeah, and even those, fair. we were like, ah, that's kind of pricey. Yeah. I don't know if we're going to get them. Yeah, well, lesson learned, it's... like, because uh, fucking, it only goes up from there. Yeah. Anyway, getting away from America a little, as we mentioned at the beginning of the, this episode, ice cream sandwiches spun off to become really popular all over the world, since, I mean, it's not that like, it's ice cream and sandwiches. It's a winning combination. Yeah, for starters, Australia has a really interesting brand simply called Giant Sandwich, which is basically just like the standard chocolate wafer, like vanilla ice cream sandwich, you know, the one that we all love in the States. However, instead of chocolate biscuits, it actually has a vanilla one, so it's kind of like a like a, a blondie version. They they really look yummy. However, the real star of Australia here is Maxibon, 
which is a line of ice cream sandwiches that are divided in half down the middle with like each half is like a different type. Yeah, they look kind of like Frankenstein ice creams, but in the best way possible. They look like you took a Chipwich and an Eskimo pie, cut them in half, and then just kind of jammed them together to make one super sandwich. Yeah, like they like they have one where like half of it is like a Nestle's Crunch ice cream bar on one side, and like the other half is like vanilla chocolate, like uh, or vanilla ice cream sandwich, like biscuit side with like caramel inside the ice cream. They have another one that's like the crunchy chocolate dip side, and then the other side is chocolate biscuit, but then it's got like the Oreo chocolate crunchies inside the ice cream. Man, they need to get those over here like as soon as possible. Also, one of the flavors is called Rough Nut. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Vietnam also, they actually take the whole ice cream sandwich moniker uh, a bit literally. Over there, they have a type of bread called banh mi, which is uh, it's kind of like a big Vietnamese hot dog bun sort of. Like, it's just like a short, fat baguette kind of roll that's split down the middle, but it's got, like, a very light, airy texture inside. But, uh, yeah, as you may have guessed, in Vietnam, they just, like, serve, they serve scoops of ice cream inside these banh mi buns. I'm not really sure how I feel about this one. Like, it's, it's a little silly. Like, it's inoffensive, and it's probably interesting, but still, it's just really silly. Might be good, though. Like, eh, who knows? Actually, this makes something make a little sense. When we go to the Thai fair, which like sadly hasn't been able to happen this year, usually they have it twice a year and then it all this year. Mm. Stupid COVID. Anyway, the booth that sells the really good coconut ice cream we get, you can get it in a cup or in a hot dog bun. Oh uh, yeah, that uh, actually that almost makes me want to try it next year. Though I don't know, I don't know if I want to get it if it's just like serving a regular hot dog bun. What's wrong with hot dog buns? Because hot dog buns suck. It's not a hot dog. It's hot dogs you hate. Yeah, I guess. Buns are just bread. The bun seems like we get really, really, like, mushy. Like, I don't know. Have you ever seen, like, Joey Chestnut and, like, uh, like Mickey Sudo? Like, when they do the hot dog championship, when they get wet, they just turn it like, fucking glue. Yeah. I don't know. You eat it fast, I guess. That's true. You gotta fucking wolf it down. Like, blah, 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 blah. Uh, anyway, uh, they're not the only ones who just heard the word ice cream sandwich and just, like, went, oh, shit, slap that ice cream and some bread rolls. Uh, they do the same thing in the Philippines using a type of flat roll called pandasal. To be fair, though, these rolls, they seem to be a bit more on the sweeter side of regular bread. So, like, it's not uncommon to serve them with, like, sweet toppings like chocolate spread, and peanut butter, and jam. They frequently dunk them into coffee the same way that people do with, like, donuts and biscotti. The UK and Ireland specifically have their own takes on ice cream sandwiches as well. Usually with wafer cookies instead of biscuits. Makes sense. Makes sense. Ice cream and wafer cones tend to get along really well. Okay. All right, England. Not bad. That's two episodes in a row where we're giving you props for a yummy food. Touche. Lastly on this ice cream sandwich world tour is ice cream taiyaki, which hails from Japan. Oh, oops, uh, sorry. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what came over me. Um, yeah, anyway, taiyaki is a type of traditional Japanese sweet called wagashi. These things are so bizarre, but, like, they're so, like, unabashedly Japanese, but they're really, really good. Yeah, so basically, taiyaki is like a pancake batter pressed into a mold that makes it look like a cartoon fish. The red snapper specifically, which are called tai in Japanese, hence the name taiyaki. These taiyaki are filled with sweet azugi bean filling and served hot and toasty with the sweet filling still gooey. The standard version of taiyaki were invented... Son of a bitch! Again, about a <laughs> hundred years ago. Jesus, they're not even from America, and they still were invented in 1909. 
We might as well just change the name of this stupid podcast to like every food you love is a hundred years old. <laughs> anyway, as mentioned, these damn things were served hot, fresh off the grill, and actually they're like the the original version, like kind of soft and cakey. But sometime after in the, uh, their inception, someone had the bright idea to make like a like a crisp version and fill it with ice cream in addition to the red bean paste and freeze them. So. Ice cream sandwiched in between two fish-shaped biscuits. So, in other words, an, an ice cream sandwich. We get these little guys at Asian grocery stores a lot, especially in the summer. They're such a fun treat. It makes no sense. It's a fish filled with ice cream. I love it. Yeah, if you have any Asian markets around you, like, check the freezer section out. You can't miss them. They're, find the thing that looks like a fish, except it's an ice cream cone. Uh, one of the more popular brands you could find is, uh, it's called Samanco. They're, they're definitely worth checking out. <clears throat> Anyway, uh, other places, we have Italy. They got in on the action a few years ago themselves when people started making brioche con gelato, which is kind of like those Vietnamese ice cream sandwiches. It's just uh, it's just a brioche bun filled with gelato. But for some reason, they blew up in America, I guess, because of course they did. Americans, they just latch onto anything that looks exotic and Instagram-worthy. There's a place in New York City named La Mercerie Cafe that has macaroon ice cream sandwiches. I don't know if they were the first to do this or if they're just the most pretentious ones to do it, but it wouldn't surprise me since their website gives off very, if you have to look at our prices, you're not allowed to eat here kind of vibe. Yeah, honestly, there's a lot of these like super hoity-toity ice cream sandwich concoctions floating around out there now, especially in the city. Honestly, like, it's it's kind of stupid how this, like, it inevitably happens with every simple food pleasure out there. Some douchebag finds an excuse to charge $17 for, like, a brownie or something. He adds all this fluff and garbage on top, and it adds very little besides cost. And they act like they're just, like, the ultimate god genius of food. They're not all bad, though. If we could give a quick little shout-out to the local place, Cloud9 Ice Cream Bar just opened this summer here in Patchogue. They recently introduced a menu item called Cloudy Buns. They were donuts split in half, filled with ice cream and cereal. They're so good and probably so diabetes-inducing. <laughs> yeah, everything at Cloud9 is good. Uh, they're really cool. They like basically what they do is they like grind up cereal into their soft serve machine, and that like adds the flavor of the cereal to the ice cream. It kind of tastes like ice cream version of cereal milk. But yeah, those those donut ice cream sandwiches are something else. Like we basically are obligated to split one when we go because. There's no way that we could each get our own and just feel like a responsible adult after consuming like 1,500 calories of donut and ice cream in a single serving. But yeah, if uh, if you guys are ever out here in the Patchogue area of New York, go get some ice cream from them. Their cones are like, they're legit almost the size of your head. Like, I can't eat one without feeling just a stupid amount of full afterwards. Speaking of being full, I think this modern section is pretty fulled up too. So that should about cover it for today's main course. Hope you guys save room, as always, for some dessert. Oh, all right. Uh, this episode's moving along pretty well, and it doesn't seem to be too long, unlike last two episodes where we just, like, randomly went up to, like, 90 minutes, hour and a half. So good for us. Especially good for us because uh, my phone's probably going to drop dead, like, when, we, when we're done filming this. So yeah, if it I'm hasn't tired. already dropped dead, who knows? <laughs> anyway, for dessert this week, we're going to play another edition of Shitty Old Recipes. So in case it's your first time, Shitty Old Recipes is a game that we like to play where we delve into the worst recipes we can find in old-timey cookbooks on our shelves or on the internet. One of us reads the title, and the other tries to guess what sort of unthinkable horror ingredients make it up. 
Today, I'll be guessing, and Meg here will be reading. So, let's get started. Alright, so, we finally have a new source besides the old cookery. This week, we're taking it from a cookbook from Lafayette PTA cookbook from 1952 to 1953. PTA? Like... Yeah, like school, PTA. I'm assuming it's probably sold as like a fundraiser type oh, deal. Oh, I thought it was like collection of like members of the pta who just were like here's my shitty recipe i mean it probably is because it all has names Mm. attributed underneath (laughs) all right this should be interesting yeah especially if it's from 1952 1950s weren't particularly well known for their cuisine yeah they weren't actually all things considered like this book isn't doesn't have the most worst recipes in it but there's definitely some doozies are you ready? All right, let's get this over with. What is today's shitty old recipe? Today's shitty old recipe is mustard salad. Mustard <laughs> salad? Okay. It doesn't sound too fucking nightmarish from the outset because honey mustard goes in some salads. So, uh, all right. I'm going to guess right at the beginning, this is a salad, so it needs to have lettuce. So, lettuce. No. Oh, <laughs> excuse me? Is there, well, is there no, no lettuce in this fucking salad? There is not lettuce. Ah, <laughs> uh, ha, well, that's quite the curveball then. <laughs> Shit. Um, all right. I don't know where to go from here then. <laughs> Uh, does it contain any leafy green? Um, kind of. Okay, does it contain a vegetable of any sort? Cut, um. Oh, you're starting to worry me here. There's vegetables in the, like, to serve instructions, but not in the, like, main ingredients. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how better to oh. explain that. <laughs> oh, my. Um, hmm. There are also other variations, but I'm sticking just with the original. Okay, well, let, let me try this from the opposite end. It's it's mustard salad, so it's got to have mustard in it, right? Yes, there's two teaspoons dry mustard. Oh, all right. So like dry mustard powder. Dry mustard powder. That's still not what I was expecting. <laughs> Jesus. Uh... Okay, uh, it, uh, all right, well, uh, I just got to throw everything I know about <laughs> salad out at this point because this is, this is going way off the fucking hard left at Albuquerque. Um, okay, let's say, uh, does it have sour cream in it for some reason? No. Does it have milk in it? Um, kind of. Cream? Yes. Okay, so it has cream and it's got mustard. So we got some nice mustardy cream. Are there like other spices besides the mustard powder? No. Really? 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 Yeah, it doesn't. There's, there's not even salt. There is. Well, I mean, it doesn't count as a spice. Does it have pepper in it? No. What the fuck? It doesn't have. Oh my god! All right. Uh, so we got. Creamy, mustardy, fuck, oh, okay. Uh, help me out. How many ingredients am I missing? So I've got mustard, I've got cream, and i got salt, so. No, there's no salt. Oh, I thought you said there was salt in it. No, I said there's not even salt. For God's sakes. 
Wait, and I missed the last count. All right, so there's there's mustard and there's cream. What, what how many how many other ingredients? I I'm at a loss. I don't even know what to guess. There's five ingredients left. Oh one my. of which is listed twice. Uh due to like the steps involved. Oh my What uh all right, what's all right, I got I need to ask for a hint here. Give me one other ingredient. Um There's two-thirds cup of vinegar. Vinegar? <laughs> So you can curdle up that cream into fucking, like, cheese? Do they know how, like, cur- making cheese and, like, curdling milk work back then? All right. T- all right. Here, the ingredients are divided up into, like, three different little sections. The vinegar and cream are in different sections. Okay. Well, all right. I don't so know that's, if that helps at not all. So it doesn't help. It at least makes me feel a little better. They weren't just making some nice chunky fucking milk curd salad. Uh, um, is it is uh, all right? Or the, the next ingredient is it something you find in the refrigerator? Um. Yes. Okay. So you can, all right. Uh, let's go. Is it an egg? There are four eggs. Four eggs. Yes. So you're just making mustard custard. Base, kind of. Ew. Ew. Is there sugar in it? Yeah, there's three quarter cups. No, sugar. there's sugar. Yeah. What the hell is this? You're are almost they, there. They're making mustard ice cream. Is what they're making. God. No. Oh my mother. All right. So there's one ingredient left. There's two oh, ingredients there's two. left. Okay. Uh, all right, so we've got mustard ice cream base. Uh, <laughs> frig, fuck, shit. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, let's go with. So, is, all right, is 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 everything out of the refrigerator, or am I still missing some cold stuff? Nothing else is from the refrigerator. Okay, so I got two ingredients that are just found elsewhere in the world. They could be anything. If there's, who knows? The sky's the limit. They got they they made they put mustard into into eggs and sugar so for all i freaking know the next ingredient could be like horse hair <laughs> uh what's all right give me another hint what does it start with what letter um i will say all right one of the ingredients left is a liquid and the other that's left is something that goes in the liquid is it water yes there's oh, one third cup okay water. that's that's the most normal ingredient so far that's the one that's listed twice so there's water listed twice in here okay so you got some nice watery mustard ice cream mustard custard and you add something to the water is it shit is it is it yellow food coloring no okay is it is it a food though yes it is a food stuff yes um wow uh how the hell is this turned into a salad? I'm really curious to know what the process for this is. Uh, do, do, do they tell you to add vet? Like, uh, they they add? Do they ever add like lettuce later on or no? There's not lettuce, but, but there's veggies. Yeah. Think of what was very popular in the 1950s. Oh, and that we dedicated no, a shitty old no, to. no, no, no. They made a Jello mold. Yes. Oh God. Plain gelatin. Yes. Oh fuck. Is it turned into a Jello mold? Yes. Oh, you gotta be kidding me. Ew. It's just like creamy mustard Jello. Here. Okay. Ding, ding, ding. All right. So let's, uh, I will go over what do we got here? All right. 
First section says boil until smooth. Four eggs, three quarter cup sugar, two teaspoons dry mustard, two thirds cup vinegar, one third cup water. So you boil it first? Yeah, I don't Ugh. know. How do you boil egg? Uh, yeah, how do you boil an egg? Doesn't that just like scramble? Yeah, you would think. <laughs> you know what? It, it's good. It's getting turned into a fucking solid later. So true. who the hell cares if your freaking eggs get crumbly? <laughs> then it says add to above one tablespoon gelatin, soften in a quarter cup of cold water. Ugh. <sighs> Then you cool that mixture, and then you add one cup of cream whipped, and then whipped. <laughs> yeah, yeah, some nice whipped cream. <laughs> what the frig were they? What were they doing in the fifties? This amphetamines. <laughs> <laughs> lots and lots of Valium. And then you put it in the ring mold. Oh yeah, perfect. You just get it. In then the you ring. let it set. Then to serve, unmold and fill with coleslaw. <laughs> what? So you put coleslaw in the middle of this? Yep. I don't. What? What? I don't. What? <laughs> what? Why is there coleslaw in the middle of it? I don't know. What do you do? You, do you just like everyone just like digs in with a fucking spoon? Everybody grab a spoon in your right hand and a spoon in your left hand. Dig into the jello with the right hand and dig into the coleslaw with the left hand and stick it both into your mouth at the same time and then fucking immediately regret it. I guess. Oh my god, that's horrible. That might be one of the. That's honestly, I think that's the worst recipe we've done so far. And we had fucking, we had like mashed potato candy in the first episode. There's, but wait, there's variations. Oh, I, do tell. Which I don't. I don't even really understand what the variations. How this works? Cause there's three variations. One says baked ham. Add pineapple chunks to slaw. I don't know where the ham comes in, though. Oh. <laughs> then there's also ham loaf, which then just says garnish with pimento. And then baked salmon, Ugh. which says add shrimp to slaw. So, like, what? I don't, I don't On what understand. planet are they from where shrimp is salmon? I don't know. Like, where they, it was like I know the 1950s was like very homogenous and like everyone was very sheltered, but there was, were there really people? If you fed them shrimp, there's like, ah, oh, that's a mean tack of salmon that you got there, Louise. Very good. Unless were there like jello mold shapes like that? Because I know there's that fish one. Yeah, we saw the horrifying fish jello mold. Were, like, were you just supposed to like use that shaped mold and then do the variation? I don't. I was don't was know. the 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 ham one? Was it shaped in the shape of a pig? Then I don't know. Just, or just a pig's leg, a, a fucking bloody ass pig <laughs> hoof. That's the mold. Feel the sorrow as you eat this. I don't know. Oh, who was this by? Vivian McKee. Well, all right. Vivian sounds like the name of an evil lady, <laughs> and that's what this is. It's a fucking evil dish. You know what? Here's the next variation. Variation number five. Set your ring onto a plate. Add uh, add just moldy fruit into the middle and throw it in the garbage. <laughs> just, just into the trash it goes because you should never eat this. You should never eat fucking sweet, delicious whipped cream mustard jello molds. Check, please. We're done here. <laughs> Well, that is it for this week's edition of Poor Couples Food Guy Deep Dish Podcast. Remember, we are, in fact, the only podcast left where you're more likely to learn about cereal than cereal killers. Search recipes, cooking tips, and other cool stuff on our website, poorcouplesfoodguide.com. And don't forget, you can always write into us at mail at poorcouplesfoodguide.com to ask for any food advice that you may need. That's right. We are now mail at poorcouplesfoodguide.com. We're not big shots. Nothing happened, unfortunately. We just figured out that uh, as part of our like uh, web service subscription, we do have 
email domains and it took us three years to realize that so oh well you can also send in any comments feedback criticism hate mail love mail chain letters postcards or whatever random pondering should pass your mind once again that's mail at poorcouplesfoodguide.com or if you like you can hit us up on facebook youtube and instagram as well while you're at it try and give us some ratings and reviews on whatever podcast platform you're using Apparently, it really helps to gain traction and exposure, which is great while we're trying to help Deep Dish's audience grow. Hell, even big famous podcasters ask their audience to do it, so it must be helpful to some degree. Quick shout out to Kyle K, who is now two for two on episode guesses. As mentioned, Kyle's a friend of the show who does a lot of great model building on Twitter. Go check him out at Copperhead on Twitter, at K-O-P-P-E-R-H-E-D. He usually posts a lot of really cool history lessons to accompany his work, so if you're tired of learning about food history and you want to hear about war history, go give him a follow. You won't regret it. Next up, we'll be serving a big ol' plate of nothing, cause it's gonna be an off-topic week. This is gonna be the, uh, the format going forward from here. We're gonna try doing, like, three on-topic episodes, one off-topic, where we just talk about whatever. So this way, it gives us, uh, at least a fighting chance to stay up with, like, staying one week ahead of each episode, cause, um, not to, like, complain or anything, but, like, geez, like, the research of the show, shit's difficult. <laughs> A lot of work, so uh, way more than we were expecting, but hey, it's a lot of fun too. We're learning a lot, and hopefully you're all learning a lot as well with us. So until then, everybody, we bid you a good day, and we bid you good eats. So stay hungry and keep feeding that brain. And tummy. Oh, yeah, and then also when I reached the other tissue, somehow the screen just went... <laughs> And I was, that's when I was like, oh shit. <laughs>